my sense is that one of the big changes in volunteering that's happened is that more and more we want to welcome people to volunteering on their terms. Hello and welcome to the Do One Better podcast in philanthropy, sustainability and social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Alberto Ligi from London. Please click that subscribe button and follow us if you're not doing so already and do leave us a rating and a review. It helps others to find the show as well. Today is an absolute pleasure to welcome back onto the show John May, Chief Executive of Cats Protection. And today, not only are we looking at the work of Cats Protection, but we are also focusing a great deal of the conversation on volunteering, the importance of volunteering and how to do it right. If you're running an organization that is in need of volunteers, that has a huge volunteer workforce, or perhaps a nascent volunteer force, we're going to be looking at it from various different angles, whether it's about attracting volunteers or ensuring that these individuals are able to volunteer and leverage their skills and experiences on their terms uh, with however much time or little time they have available. And, uh, and there are many different ways of volunteering. So we're going to be covering that a great deal. And for reference, John May used to be the chief executive officer of the Duke of Edinburgh's International Award Foundation. And uh, it's an organization that has a great deal of engagement with volunteers at scale. And so he's someone who's very well suited to talk about this subject. So without further ado, John, a big heartfelt welcome back onto the Do One Better podcast today. Thank you, Alberto. It's been a very, very long time since we've spoken. I mean, I think I think I was uh, I was one of your earliest interviewees, isn't that right? You were indeed. You were way back when when you were running the Duke of Edinburgh's International Award. Yes, and uh, you were my one of my very first guests. Uh, so thank you for that, giving giving the show a bit of traction. And it's great to have you back on the show. Uh, many people listening will know who you are or of you of the work you've done, but you've recently made that transition recently speaking a few months ago yep. uh, from the Duke of Edinburgh's award into Cats Protection and now you're the chief executive of Cats Protection and uh, so besides saying to you a big heartfelt welcome why don't we kick off by finding out a little bit about Cats Protection what's it all about? Cats Protection it's one of the largest animal welfare organizations uh, in the United Kingdom uh, we are a nation of dog and cat lovers and uh, Cats Protection does what it says on the tin. Uh, we, we look after the welfare of, of cats uh, um, around the country. Um, I guess what, uh, what we want to do is to help the world see the world through cats' eyes. That's, that's, the, uh, that, that's what we talk about. Um, and we do that in a number of ways. You know, we obviously we, we, we work to educate owners of cats um, about things that they may not know in order to make the lives of their cats much happier. We also uh, rehome cats um, uh, uh, for adoption. Um, and that's a major, major part of our work. Um, we we also look to try to help to control the population of cats in the United Kingdom. Um, and we do that uh, particularly with um, with feral and unowned cats trapping neutering them and then releasing them back into their own uh, uh whether it's the wild or into the into the community where they live um but they're then not reproducing and that's uh that that that's that makes for a um a happier um a happier community 
Interesting, interesting. And you're a cat owner yourself. I certainly am. Yeah, yeah. Blenin uh, is my cat, and uh, and he uh, he's become the poster boy of the of the organization over the last six months uh, since I since I, I I took over as CEO. He's he's a he's a rescue cat himself, um, and um, yeah, I'm, I think of course he's blissfully unaware of. Uh, of 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 any importance he he continues to ignore me um <laughs> as all cats do uh, uh with um with with appropriate disdain <laughs> yeah i have seen him on social media gaining prominence and uh, yes. and, and becoming yes. quite quite a feature on twitter uh which which is very good for him even though he's not aware of the fame that's uh that's come on and tell me a little bit about the organization itself so you operate uh, across the United Kingdom, and uh, are you operating as a single entity or different chapters, or how do you work? It's a it's a really really interesting space because it is a single charity that runs right the way across the United Kingdom. It runs with um, approximately ten thousand volunteers. Wow, many of whom are working within local branches of the charity. Um, but unlike some organizations that are federated charities, uh, we're a single, a single organization. Um, but there are, uh, there are branches in almost every community you can possibly imagine. And then we have, so about 10,000 volunteers and about a thousand staff. Uh, and we run a number of, um, uh, adoption centers around the country. Uh, where where folks can come and adopt a cat uh, if that's appropriate for them uh, and our branches do exactly the same thing so mm -hmm. it, it, it's a really um, it's a really special organization and that partnership between volunteer and member of staff I've stopped talking in the charity about volunteers and staff and I I now more and more talk about cats protection people uh, because the passion and the um the commitment of folks to make the world better for cats and to see the world through cats eyes uh, as i said earlier is oh it's just palpable alberto it's wonderful now one movement that you're close to and i've become close to it's the scouts movement they struggle with volunteers, getting volunteers. There's such a shortage. You know, they could do more. They could grow more. If only they could get volunteers. And uh, so let me ask you in terms of these 10,000 volunteers, which is a, a huge number. And so congratulations on that. How challenging is it to get all the volunteers you need? Because presumably you could probably do with a few more. I, I Absolutely. And I think that question of volunteering is one that's being faced by so many organizations voluntary organizations within the uk at the moment i think what people expect and would like to do in terms of volunteering has changed over the past never mind the past 30 years but even since lockdown um so folks are <sighs> often wanting to give less time um, and in a less structured way than perhaps they have in the past. Um, and so there's the lexicon has has kind of introduced new words like micro-volunteering, um, often driven through social media, um, that is certainly um, 
able to be incorporated within the volunteering offer of many, many organizations. But that doesn't stop a need for volunteers to give very generously of their time and their talent um, in a much more concerted way in order to keep charities running. Um, you know, we we need volunteers who will foster cats. Uh, the Scout Movement needs uh, volunteers who will turn up on a weekly basis to work with young people. Um, the National Trust continues to need volunteers who will uh, work um, uh, to to uh, act as um, hosts and guides within their properties. Uh, the Samaritans continue to need volunteers to man those phone lines. Um, uh, and it is becoming more and more challenging to find folks who want to give their time to do that. Mm, I can imagine. And and how do you do that? And well, before you answer that, I imagine that the backgrounds and abilities of your volunteers probably incredibly diverse. Yes. I imagine the way in which people can volunteer also a big range. And so how do you go about that? How do you attract folks? And uh, and how do you ensure that their skill set is best matched to your needs? It's a really, really interesting issue to, to face. I mean, I think in the old days, the way it worked was you had particular jobs that needed doing and you you encourage people to come and do those jobs and they fitted into the the space that you had available. My sense is that one of the big changes in volunteering that's happened is that more and more we want to welcome people to volunteering on their terms. And if you have an hour a week or less to give, then we as organisations will work really hard to flex to be able to accommodate rather than say to you, well, you know, it's lovely that you want to do that, but actually we're not the charity for you because we need you to do X, Y, and Z. Mm. Um, and I think, uh, I think charities have become better at being able to accommodate. I still think there's more work to be done um, to really understand what flexible volunteering might look like. But yeah, I mean, in, in Cats Protection, we have a whole range of different roles uh, that are available from fostering cats to helping in communities with trapping and cats ready for neutering. Uh, we have folks who simply want to come and cuddle a kitten uh, and can come and do so and help to socialize those animals to human contact uh, in some of our adoption centers. We have amazing volunteers who will come almost on a daily basis first thing in the morning to help to uh, to clean out pens and to make sure that uh, the cats are living in hygienic uh, conditions. Uh, we have others who uh, will go into schools or work online as part of our education process. We have others who will uh, support our, um, uh, our phone lines. It, and we have loads and loads and loads of volunteers who will raise money for the organization in a variety of ways. And because we have these volunteer run branches around the country, we also have this amazing army of individuals who work to support other adults who are doing all that work uh, as coordinators and treasurers of local branches. 
um, uh, and, and for, you know, uh, running the social media for a branch or whatever. So the, the range is enormous. And what that means is that, generally speaking, we will always be able to find a role for somebody who wants to come and support the work of the organisation. And that, I think, is really, really wonderful, particularly because animal welfare organisations attract a really diverse range of folks, particularly in terms of neurodiversity, mm -hmm. um, because there are plenty of people who, um, and I really understand this, uh, prefer the the, the 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 companionship of animals to the companionship of humans for a <laughs> host of different reasons um and yeah we i hope that we are a very welcoming place uh for people who would like to volunteer but maybe feel uncomfortable volunteering in different circumstances mm. well how wonderful that no matter your skill set and experiences there's likely to be a place for you to volunteer uh, at Cats Protection. There's something you touched on a little bit earlier, it's, and it's connected to this. Um, the fact that some people can come in and volunteer and help socialize cats, perhaps. Mm. And, and I don't know, just to follow on from that, I could see how that's a two-way street in terms of the benefit, because I can imagine some folks, perhaps who are a bit lonely, a bit elderly, could also benefit from that activity, right? Yeah, you're absolutely right. But I mean, I, I think I... I would just widen that to the nature of the benefit people get from volunteering, period. As long as you find the right space for you, I think you take as much from volunteering. Oh, sorry, so this is a, an, a blinding glimpse of the obvious, you know. You take as much from volunteering as you give. Uh, and different people will volunteer for different reasons. And sometimes people volunteer because they themselves want companionship and they want to be with other people. And this is an opportunity to be able to, to, to be with folks in a different space from work. You have others that have a complete commitment to the cause of an organization. And it's that passion that drives them. There are others for whom actually... Uh, it, the the experience of of supporting the work of a charity is actually about the activity that they're doing and and in some ways the mission and vision of the charity is secondary so we have a large number of volunteers who support our um uh, our retail shops um and go in and volunteer in terms of sorting clothes and uh, and helping to uh, to look after the tills and and welcome people uh, into our shops now Many of those, of course, do so because they want to support cats protection as a charity rather than another one. But there are also those who, for, for whom, well, actually, this happens to be the nearest shop to their to where they live, and this is just a great way for them to volunteer, almost regardless of what the charity does. Um, and and I think more broadly, those benefits of volunteering in terms of building. Um, resilience and skills and providing a social life um, are immeasurable. Uh, I'm, well, I say immeasurable, Alberto, you know, I mean, that, that of course, is, is nonsense because there's been loads and loads of research to measure uh, the impact of, of, of volunteering. Um, but I, I would love 
coming back to your point about it getting harder to find volunteers and everybody wanting volunteers i'd love folks who don't consider volunteering to think about whether they might benefit themselves from giving a bit of time and funnily enough i mean we're I, I know this this podcast is 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 going to go out a week before the the coronation. One of the things that the king and queen consort have chosen to do with the coronation weekend is to um, label the Monday of the Monday bank holiday as something called the big help out, um, and that's an opportunity for people who perhaps have not considered volunteering in the past to go online and find an opportunity to volunteer or to see what volunteering might be like for them in a charity that interests them near to where they live. Uh, and you can download an app and do your postcode search and all the sorts of things that nowadays we we take for granted, but specifically around getting a taste of what supporting a voluntary organization might be like for you. And hopefully you want to come back and do it again and again and again. Excellent. Excellent. And on that specific point, if somebody wants to volunteer for cats protection, where do they go? And what does the start look like? Is there an induction or? Yeah, of course. Of course there is, because what we want to do is to welcome people and make sure that they're, they're properly supported in what nowadays folks call their volunteering journey um because uh, everybody has to have a journey these days don't they um uh but but the, the way to get involved with cats protection is to go to our website which is of course cats.org.uk what else would it be for goodness sake um and you can follow the the trail there to 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 follow the volunteering opportunities that might be available to you in your local community um and yes of course there's a close induction and in common with so many charities these days part of that induction is also about making sure that you understand your responsibilities in regard to keeping people safe um uh, so it's not just about keeping cats safe but it's also about keeping other people safe um and ensuring that uh, that you understand um safeguarding and uh and, and the support that needs to be given in in that space as well so yeah all, all of that naturally uh exists as it does with so many other organizations today you touched on the volunteers and the, the range of things that they do and one of those things is also some of those folks helping out with fundraising yeah um now that's a that's an area close to my heart and for for the audience who may not know i used to work with john way back when at the duke of edinburgh's international award where i used to head up the fundraising and john was the ceo let me ask you on the point of fundraising putting aside the volunteers but those folks who might be inclined to take a look at you as a potential uh organization to support give us a little bit of insight into the the income channels that you have and the the sort of things that a that a donor might want to keep in mind yeah animal welfare is a really interesting space in terms of fundraising um because we are uh, as i said at the top of the interview we're a nation of animal lovers and particularly cats and dogs and um folks are immensely generous in terms of legacies uh, and leaving money to charities like ours. Uh, uh, now, Cats Protection has an annual turnover 
um of around 75 million pounds sterling um uh and uh a large proportion of that by which i mean more than half uh comes through legacies which for those of us who may have worked in other charities uh particularly in area of uh, humanitarian aid and um uh, and education um that's a proportion that um feels pretty astonishing i guess and by legacies just as folks know we're talking about when somebody passes away they they reference a specific charity in their will yeah um, yeah um and i mean that's that's immensely generous uh and uh obviously we're we're extraordinarily grateful and then other channels are the sort of fundraising that goes on uh at a local level that you would expect to see from so many organizations i was in my local town uh um uh well actually the town local to my mum um just a couple of weeks ago and we were going around the farmer's market and there was a stall with bunting up that was selling goods for the local branch of uh, of cats protection uh run entirely by volunteers um and 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 you know, selling stuff on a on on a saturday morning to to raise money uh we're speaking the day after the london marathon i think um and uh like so many other charities we had folks raising money for uh for the charity by by running the the, the london marathon we run uh, something called craft for cats which is uh, an amazing initiative where folks um purchase the materials to um to make things uh craft things at the moment we're looking at quilling as a skill um and that the money from that goes to the charity so you know that's that 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 relatively small ticket but massive uh uh bulk of folks amazingly generous people raising money for the organization is part of what we do and then of course we have the sponsor we have sponsorship uh from a number of um uh important uh, um, uh corporate organizations that see our mission and vision being very close to their own core um so not surprisingly uh there is a particular pet food manufacturer that uh that that supports our work really 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 strongly and and for which we're enormously grateful thank you to the people at purina and we have uh, wonderfully generous high net worth individuals who also see our work as being really important and close to their own values and so they choose to give as well uh, and everything else in between you know and you put all that together and you end up with um an amazing combination of um of support including and i mentioned it just earlier our network of charity shops around the country that help with our income as well and in those charity shops we have we have staff and volunteers helping to generate income for us so it's a really really wide range what a privilege what a privilege to to have so many diverse folks and organizations backing you now I have to ask you. So we're focusing so much on volunteering, and you used the word resilience and skills. You used both words before, um, and well, when when we were back in the Duke of Edinburgh's award, those were words that were used every day, every hour probably of every day, 
uh, I have to ask you about that transition. When you and I worked together, that was probably about 10 years ago, or maybe a little bit less, but around 10 years ago. Um, and last year, you made that transition from the Duke of Edinburgh's award into Cats Protection. And it's interesting because you said that Cats Protection is not a federated organization. It's actually a single entity. Give us a little bit of a flavor for that that journey, that transition from the Duke of Edinburgh's award to to where you are today. Well, I mean, I, I guess the, the, the first thing to say is that I loved my time with the Duke of Edinburgh's award internationally uh, as its secretary general or its CEO. It was absolutely brilliant. And I continue to be a massive supporter of the charity. But I got to the point where I'd been chief executive for 11 years. And I felt that I kind of needed to make a decision about what to do because I am of an age where, to put it bluntly, I'm at the, should we say, at the at the end that's nearer retirement than at the start of my career. Uh, and the question was, well, do I do I stay at the same place potentially for another, or potentially for another 10 years, which would mean that I would have been chief executive for 20 years. That feels to me like not good for an organization. Uh, I think organizations deserve to have regeneration and, and revitalization. And often that comes through a chief executive. Uh, or did I have the opportunity to have one more big role to play in another organization? And I had a conversation with the chair of trustees about that. And um, I was very open about the possibility of moving on. Um, and the chair of trustees was very understanding about that. And of course, as these things work, you know, three weeks after that conversation, what should happen? But a role comes up in a charity that I love, uh, with a mission and vision that I love. And interestingly for me, a part of the sector, animal welfare, that I'd never worked in before. Because I have always run organisations around the areas of youth and education. Uh, so here was a challenge that I would not normally have had the opportunity to meet. And yet a voluntary organization. Um, uh, and so one that I at least understood the workings of, even if I wasn't immediately, immediately familiar with its core services. And, you know, like all these things, I, 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 went through an interview process, a very robust one, um, and ended up as the candidate that was preferred uh, and have spent the last six months learning a, a new business. And it's been really interesting. There have been loads of similarities. Uh, we both smile about the idea of federated and non-federated charities. The Duke of Edinburgh's Award is a highly federated and, uh, um, uh, well, I mean, it is, in fact, I, I guess what would describe as a, as a social franchise. Um, this is not, uh, this is a, a, a single uh, charity, but it's a charity with uh, local branches uh, around the, the, the United Kingdom, each of which, quite understandably, have their own pride in their own existence in their own communities um, uh, and uh, would see themselves not as independent, but certainly interdependent 
Um, uh, so some of the um, some of the areas of 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 care that one would take uh, when working with franchisees is not dissimilar to the ones that one would take in terms of honouring and respecting uh, the the communities that these individual branches might be working in. So, I mean, I guess I guess the big difference for me has been moving from having a directly employed staff team of 50 people to a thousand and realizing that as mm. chief executive, I'm not going to be over the detail of every single piece of this charity's work in the way that I probably was at the Duke of Edinburgh's International Award. Um, and that I need to work with a group of directors who, each of whom uh, has a directorate with considerable income uh, and expenditure uh, and great skill and expertise and experience with those folks um, and to allow them to run the engine room of the organisation effectively with me providing what I hope is the right level of leadership and enthusiasm and passion and the enthusiasm which you bring in abundance that's one thing i remember very clearly there was no lack of enthusiasm coming out of your office <laughs> yeah well i you know i i, I love not-for-profit organizations and i love the work that people do and i love seeing the immense experience and expertise in my colleagues uh and it's just such a privilege to to watch folks doing amazing work and i don't just mean my immediate senior team i mean right the way through the organization whether volunteer or staff um charities tend to run because of the amazing people who are in them and we are without being too soapy about it alberto we are really blessed to have just the most amazing people working in cats protection it makes me smile so much. Well, they're lucky lucky to have you. Now, besides your love for cats and your your wealth of experience in volunteering and love for that as well, you touched on the word education, and I can't wrap up this episode without delving a little bit into education and, and the importance of that in the work of cats protection. And give us a little bit of insight into the value as it were of providing education to 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 our to our community it kind of works in so many different in, in so many different ways you know i mean i think the organization if we start with the youngest of children um and some of the work that we do in the primary schools of this country it's about helping a future generation of pet owners understand that owning a pet comes with responsibilities to understand that species um, and what it needs. Uh, um, that then works its way through to working with uh, six formers and, um, uh, and, and folks who are uh, at college who may be who may have chosen to get involved with a career in animal welfare. And what we can do is to provide, again, species specific advice and support as part of their studies. So, for instance, helping <clears throat> uh, folks who are training as, as veterinary nurses 
to understand specifically cat behaviors <clears throat> um, is a really, really important part of what we can do. And then with the wider cat owning population, um, helping them to understand that a cat is not a little dog, mm -hmm. uh, but a cat is a very specific species uh, and it has its own very specific needs. You know, and 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 I've learned things. Um, I'm embarrassed to say I've yeah I've been a cat owner for the whole of my life, and yet I didn't know that uh, one of the things one really needs to do is to when you're feeding your cat is to keep their water and their food quite a long way separate from themselves. Okay. So if you what cat owners often say is my cat doesn't drink very much from the bowl that I put down the bowl of water. And the answer is that the bowl of water is right next door to the cat food. And in the wild and genetically, therefore, cats never keep their food source close to their water source because the two could become contaminated. And so they've always kept their water away from their food so constant so consequently if you move a cat's bowl a couple of meters away from their food the cat will be much much happier i moved blenin's water bowl away from him and suddenly he was much happier to drink from his water bowl than uh, he was before uh, he still continues to go into the garden and drink from uh, any number of puddles and other bits and pieces as well but he's really really happy with that so, so that educating around uh, the needs of cats with the general cat owning population, I think, is a really, really important part of what we do. And I, my, my personal view is, and our strategic view is that that's going to become an even more important part of the work of the charity over over the coming years. Um, so that education piece is really, really important. Then, if you then add to that the 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 opportunity for folks to build their skills their behaviors their attitudes through volunteering with us that's another facet and of course you know there are lots of areas of the the work that we do um, that actually provide opportunities for people to learn about volunteering for the first time um, and yes, what's really, really weird, of course, is that I've come into an organization that now provides support to kids who are doing their Duke of Edinburgh's award uh, uh, and they're volunteering part of that program. You know, uh, and, and we, we, we will we will increase our engagement with that um, over the coming years as we understand as a charity what really great volunteering for young people looks like. And we make sure that we can really offer that um, so that uh, so that what we give young people is a great experience um, uh, rather than an experience that um, perhaps ticks the boxes, but doesn't quite give them the, uh, the the sense of achievement that they deserve. They deserve to feel. I mean, I'd say that was true for all volunteers, not just for not just for young people. So, yeah, the education space, I think, is 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 a really, really important one. And again, it's one we share with so many charities um, that look to help to build awareness and understanding of whatever the vision and mission of that charity might be, so that as a nation, as a community, we have a much, much better understanding of our fellow human beings, 
or the animals with whom we share our world. Amazing. I uh, I always say it's a privilege to to host great guests on the show week in and week out and, and learn a great deal. And today I've learned a little bit about cat behavior. <laughs> and as a former cat owner myself, I have to tell you, I plead a bit of ignorance because I did not know that if you if you separate the food from the water, you, you probably have better outcomes as, as far as the water consumption is concerned. So thank you for that. Um, what's that key takeaway? What's the key thing that you'd love for the audience to keep in mind after they finish listening to today's episode? Uh, it, it's a very personal one, uh, I think. And that is that um, I'm getting to the end of my career, I guess. And I've Not yet, to... not yet, sorry. I'm Thank you, have that's to kind of you to say so. Okay. But, 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 but quite seriously, I have had the opportunity to jump from space to space in a way that many people don't. And my key takeaway is that working with people in particular, you build a, a set of skills um, that are eminently transferable. And if an organization is brave enough to employ people from diverse backgrounds and with diverse experiences, then they themselves will be richer for it. Uh, and I mean, I feel richer for having had a career that has gone from uh, the theatre and television all the way through the classroom as a teacher and as a head teacher through to lots of different charities and now here at Cats Protection. Um, and each point along that route somebody has believed in my ability to jump from one space into another so so i would encourage those leading organizations to be brave enough to allow people to jump and to encourage them to do so and to catch them when they do here here Excellent. John, what a pleasure it has been hosting you back on the Do One Better podcast. And it's great to uh, see you via Zoom. Last time I was in person, but the world has changed. And here's to your continued success, both you personally and professionally, but also for cats protection as well. Thanks, Alberto. Lovely to speak to you. Perfect. And that's a wrap. Thanks very much for tuning in. As always, you've been listening to a great chat with John May, Chief Executive of Cats Protection. For information about this conversation and more than 200 other case studies and interviews with remarkable folks in philanthropy, sustainability, and social entrepreneurship, just visit our website at lidji.org. That's L-I-D-J-I.org. Please click that subscribe button and follow us if you're not doing so already. And do leave us a rating and a review. It helps others to find this show as well. Thoroughly enjoyed producing today's show for you. I hope you enjoyed it as well. And I will catch you on Monday.